Wow, I thought I would never be able to preach tonight. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Christian. Okay. Okay, why don't we uh, begin with the prayer? Uh, I want us to just give thanks to God for what He did tonight, and then I want us to also prepare our hearts for tonight's message. Uh, and then I will close in prayer, and then I will preach. Okay, let's pray for like a minute together. Okay, okay let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much, Father God. We just honor Your name. We glorify You, Father God. We Let's give you all the glory, oh Lord God, that you deserve, oh Father God, for what you did tonight, oh Lord God. So many people, God, just freshly, oh Lord God, anointed and refreshed, oh Father God. We thank you for your grace, oh Father, that's upon this church, oh Father. I pray for your protection over these people, Lord God. There might be some confusion, oh Lord Jesus. I pray against, oh Lord God, any attacks coming against these people, Lord God. I pray to you just that clarity, 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 oh Father, wisdom and revelation, oh Father God. Father God, we give you glory and honor, Lord God, that you deserve, O Lord. Father God, we thank you that your grace is upon this church. Your protection is upon this church, O Father God. We thank you that you are doing something great at this church, O Father. We want more of it, Lord. Father God, we pray for tonight's message. Um, Yes, honestly, I struggled a lot. But Father God, I know that your spirit will speak through me. So Father God, use this humble servant for you. I am ready. uh, And I'm here because I love you. I know that you love me too. Father God, I pray for your grace to be upon me and upon the people who will listen to this message, oh Father God. I come against any kind of confusion and distraction, Father God. Uh, or, yes, Lord. <laughs> I just pray against those things. Oh, like I block all the gates of the enemy right now. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Whew. Okay, I want to begin with the question. Um, I got this question pretty frequently asked by both believers and non-believers. I want to ask you if this statement is true or not. If you believe in Jesus, he will guarantee you a successful life. There are so many of these similar things. Jesus will make you a life perfect. He promised financial prosperity. Sensitive issue, right? Christians are free from all kinds of disease. True or not? You don't have to answer out loud. Depending on how the sentence is formed and how the words like success might be different. It might be very iffy. But my answer for tonight is clearly no. Absolutely no. Okay, let's be real. I get a lot of confused faces right now. <laughs> let's, be, let's be real. Christian life is not happily ever after type of life. I know so many poor Christians. I know so many sick Christians and persecuted Christians and yet to be called perfect Christians, including myself. Until we get to heaven, I believe that we will continue to see them around, all kinds of imperfect people. Don't get me wrong, I do believe in physical healing and on financial prosperity that God can bring into your life. I believe in miracles. Amen? (laughs) Yes, I believe that God is the God of the miracle. However, 
there is difference, I believe, between God can do it and God will do it. Do you get it? God can do it, but will God do it? I believe that it seems fair to say that everyone, regardless if you're a Christian or not, everyone goes through some kind of suffering, whether it is your willful sin or trauma or evil things done to you or just painful, difficult times, whatever it is, I believe that everyone goes through some kind of difficulty. And Jesus, he didn't say that your life will be perfect if you believe in me, but he said, trust in me for I am perfect. Right? And I believe that God allows certain evil attacks or even sufferings, pains, temptations into our lives under his authority. And John Piper wrote this in this book, um, The Passion of Christ. He said, the origin of evil is shrouded in mystery. The Bible does not take us as far as we might like to go. Rather, it says, the secret things belong to God. The heart of the Bible is not an explanation of where evil came from, but a demonstration of how God enters into it and turns it for the every opposite things, everlasting righteousness and joy. Okay. And I believe that John Piper is giving us some wisdom. The thing important, God made it hidden. He kept it mystery. So we cannot find out where this evil, the origin of evil comes from. It's a mystery. But God, when God keeps it hidden, when God doesn't reveal it to us, I believe that we have to stop there. When Bible doesn't, be, but doesn't reveal it to us through his words, I believe that that's God telling us to stop right there. And focus is something, oh, somewhere else. The focus he wants us to look at is something else. And I believe that the heart of the Bible, that focus is the explanation of where, not where evil came from, but a demonstration of how God entered into that evil and turns it for the blessing, turns it for the things opposite. Okay. Do you agree that everyone goes through some type of difficulties? Do you agree? You know everyone who is like perfect, whose life is so perfect that there's no pain, no suffering, no tears. I know none of those people. So if you agree with me, I will just flip over the question around. Then everyone suffers. Have you ever heard of any testimony with no struggling part, with no suffering, with no tears? Any healing testimony without sickness. Any forgiveness testimony without evil sin. Any breakthrough testimony without waiting for a long time. Or any deliverance testimony without addiction. Any freedom testimony without oppression. Any of them. Have you heard of any of those testimonies? Without down, you don't realize up. Without darkness, you don't realize the light. So, brothers and sisters, testimony all begins with struggles. That's the foundation. Your struggle is the foundation of your testimony. And if you are struggling with something today, 
I believe that you will be sharing your testimony about it tomorrow. Amen. As John Piper said, I want to look into how God entered into evil world and all these bad things going on and how he turned it into the opposite things. I will give you some uh, biblical examples. Bible is the living word of God. So all the biblical characters, they had a great life. It gives a lot of lessons. Uh, he's one of my favorite biblical uh, characters. His name is Joseph, the son of Jacob. His life is very famous. Do you all know his story, his life story? I will summarize it. He was beaten down by his older brothers and sold as a slave to the land of Egypt at the age of 17. Wow, really young. And Joseph ended, it, ended up in uh, Potiphar. Is that right? Potiphar? Okay, Potiphar's house. And who was uh, one of Pharaoh's officials. So he was a high, um, I don't know, he's an official. And he was interested with his house. So this godly young man, Joseph, he was interested with his house. In, uh, but then the Potiphar's wife, the wicked wife, seduced him. Day after day, the Bible says, and even like got, got on him. And then he tried to, she tried to do something. So this godly young man, Joseph, he ran away. But then he left her clothes there. His master put Joseph in prison. And long story short, Joseph uh, ended up spending 17 years in total as a slave, as a prisoner, until God made him the ruler over the Egypt. Wow. He was 18 years old when he was... And uh, uh, he went to Egypt. He was 18 years old, and then he spent 18, another 18 years as a slave, you know, as a prisoner in the dungeon. Half of his life. Wow. And in the great famine came. Uh, when great famine came, Joseph uh, finally was able to save the very ones who sold him, his family, his brothers, and his father. His family, and he was reunited with his family, reconciled. Joseph said this with tears. The Bible said that he wept so many times. And Genesis 50-20 says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So NIV, it's a little easier. It said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And there's another um, famous story, especially in New Philly now, the story of Balaam and a talking donkey. Remember this story? If you know what I'm talking about, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you have to listen to Pastor Christian's sermon, though. listen to the donkey one, okay? So in Numbers 22, Balak, this guy, uh, he was a king of Moab. He summoned Balaam, this guy, to come and put a curse on Israelites. So come and put a curse on them. Because Balak was so afraid that um, Israelites were uh, becoming so strong. So come, put a curse on them. But God clearly said to Balaam, oh, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. That's what God said to him. So Balaam, he refused to do that. But Balak... He tried to persuade him again, and Balaam seemed to have refused it again. But the next morning, he was on the donkey on his way to Moab. I don't know what happened. And Bible says that God was very angry. 
And the angels stopped him through talking with the donkey. That's the woman, you know. And the donkey stopped him from going to Moab. And long story short, Balaam ended up blessing the Israelites, not even once, three times, led by the Spirit of God. They hired Balaam to pronounce a curse on God's people. But God turned it into the blessing. Deuteronomy 23, uh, verse 5, it records that. It says that, however, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but turn the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. And he turned the evil intent of Balak into the blessing for his people, Israelites. Out of all the great stories in the Bible, but the most astonishing story should be the story of God's son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, he had his time of agony before his death on the cross. He said to his disciples, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. He was having a tough time. He knew that he was going to go to the cross and die. And he prayed to the Father, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. What was the answer from God? What happened to Jesus? It was clearly no. Son, it is my will for you to go suffer the cross. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 10 to 11. Let's actually open Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. So yeah, chapter 53, 10 to 11. Okay, let's read it together from ESV, okay? Ready? Ready? Okay, let's go. One, two, three. Yeah, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his land. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Amen. And God knew that the suffering would be the foundation of the blessing for all. He knew, God knew that this suffering would be the foundation of his glorious victory. And Jesus, he also knew that this suffering that we caused would be the very hope of our salvation. God, therefore, made him suffer, his only son suffer. He allowed it to happen. And Jesus did not skip the cross. Crucifixion at that time was the curse. The curse. Dying on the tree was a curse. And God turned this curse, this suffering, this pain into a blessing, into our lives, into our testimonies, into our victories. Jesus on the cross, he testified that the worst evil is meant for good by God. 
Jesus, he truly turned everything evil into a blessing. Amen? Yes. All these to share my stories and my personal testimonies. Uh, actually, I really wanted to share my personal testimonies tonight. And I was just meditating on what God did uh, in my life and how God manifested this turnover in my life. And I was able to, yes, uh, come up with these two testimonies of mine. Um, I hope you are blessed uh, by these stories. Uh, I came to JSCM uh, in 2005, April. It was my first time at church, any kind of church. And I was saved May 2005. After three Sundays, I was saved. And people wonder always how I was able to open my heart to Jesus so quickly. How did you do that? Because I literally have no spiritual background except the fact that uh, my family hates Christianity and my family hates church. And I had never been to church before JSCM. It was my first church. It was my first time ever hearing the name of Jesus Christ uh, in a proper way, not as a curse. (laughs) And I came to JSCM. And then um, in my salvation story, I just want to share Uh, Recently, I attended a service uh, during the weekday, and then the sermon was about forgiveness. And as I was listening to the message and then meditating on uh, forgiveness, that issue, and then God just dropped the revelation of my traumatic memory in the past. And then I felt like God was redeeming the memory from the darkness. And I kind of wanted to just bury it in my heart. I just never wanted to open it up because it hurts, you know? And then God kind of like, Myung-ha, I, I'm redeeming it right now. So you are free to share that. Um, and to be honest, I thought that I was already healed, but then it wasn't. And actually I was just feeling numb about it because I just didn't want to uh, talk about it, you know? Um, so what happened was junior high, second year, middle school, second year, I became a victim of a school-wide wangta. If you know what that wangta means. Wangta is like all the kids at your school, they ostracize you, and they don't talk to you, they curse you, they just hate on you. And I was the victim of that. I wasn't blameless because I did a lot of bad things back then, or even now. <laughs> so not saying that I deserved it, but... Uh, a lot of it was exaggerated, and then, you know, kids are kids, so my friends kind of, like, put all the blames on me. So I was the victim of it. What they did was uh, a lot of evil things. Um, so it began with my best friends. So I had four best friends, and then one of them was, uh, like, best best friend. <laughs> and then they all kind of, like, uh, conspired against me. Of like, overnight. So overnight, this morning, I got a phone call from them, and then they it sounded so sly. Oh, so where are you? You know, oh, I want to see you. I miss you. Where are you? I was in my house. And then they all came to my house and they walked into my room. They said, 안녕하세요 to my parents with smiley face, walked into my room and they locked the door and then they started bullying me. Oh. And outside of the room, my parents were there watching TV. And they made me kneel down on my knees, uh, and just cursed me for like 30 minutes. 
And Busan people are infamous for uh, violence, if you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> there's this cursing at me, there's, there's this blaming everything on me. And that continued. Like every single day, mm, I would go to school, and then they would just come with a bunch of kids who are not even related to anything that happened before. And they just came and they just bullied me, they just cursed at me, they just, you know. I, did, I never borrowed money from them, but then they said, you borrowed money and then give it back to me. And I had to give my money to them. For some reason, that made me really sad, because, yeah, my father, he fixes the car, so he, it's not an easy money, you know, it's the money of labor. So that's really hurt me, you know, but I just had to give it to them. They just stole money from me and they, which is hit me, hit my head like this, and just curse me, you know, all kinds of th yeah, evil things. And then at night, after I come home, I would uh, just struggle with demonic voices, uh, literally voices, it's physical voices. So when you try to go to bed, it's demonic voices. It's, like, it's so loud, you cannot uh, block it. So I was trying to block it with my pillows, but I couldn't. So Demons just harassed me all night, and then I would be so like exhausted in the morning. I go to school and get tortured again, and come home, uh, struggling with the suicidal spirit too. But I know I knew nothing of it. I didn't know that that was a spiritual battle. And yes, and through those days, I got not God because I didn't know God, but I think that was God. But He made me realize that what I did to them. So. I was struggling. I was going through a lot of pains and heartbrokenness and shame, like all kinds of things. And I began to realize what I did to them. So, for example, like a couple years back, I would bully other kids because I was the popular girl in my school. So when I say, yeah, let's wangtashikyo that girl, let's not play with that girl, and nobody would play with that girl. So I was a bad girl. I told you. <laughs> You all look betrayed or something, but yes. And I just began to realize that, oh, I hurt so many people in the same way. And I just felt so, and then, uh, actually she was the girl that I bullied was one of the girls who bullied me. So I was like, oh, I want forgiveness. I want to say sorry to her because I realized how painful that experience will be for her too. Even though it wasn't that severe, you know. Uh, yeah, compared to what I was going through, but then still, wow, I tortured her like this, and God just gave me this conviction, though I didn't know God. And one day, but I couldn't do that because nobody wanted to talk to me. And one day, uh, it was a winter, and about like 7,200 girls, it was a girls' middle school, so nobody stopped them, right? And like 72, like 100 girls, like middle school girls, they all came to my classroom just to watch them bullying me and just, yeah, just being bad to me. And then they just surrounded my desk and then they would throw things at me. They would pull my hair out, you know? My textbooks were all like burned or wet every morning and they would just bully me, right? And then, that day, I just went insane. I just, whatever. I just want to get out of this. I kind of went crazy, and I stood up, and I said, come on! And I screamed it out, like, stop! For like 10 seconds, and it was like silence. And I realized what I did, and then I instantly uh, got on my knees in front of 100 kids. And then I uh, begged for forgiveness. 
what I needed was not, uh, you know, becoming friends with them again. But what I needed was forgiveness from that one girl that I did the same thing to. And what tortured me the most through the whole time, about a year, that lasted for about a year. And then throughout the year, what tortured me the most was the feeling of unforgiveness. Because they would tell me that we will never forgive you until we die. Now, even though we die, we will never forget about what you did, and we will never forgive you. 죽어도 용서 안 해. So I just kept on saying that over and over. And then that really just tortured me. And then um, I just got on my knees. I just had to beg for forgiveness. I don't, I'm not saying, I, I was like, on my knees, 이제 친구 안 해줘도 된다고. You don't have to be friends with me anymore. I'm not asking for that, but I just want you to forgive me. Can you just say the word? 그냥 용서한다고만 해주면 안 돼? Can you just say that one word that I forgive you? That's all I wanted. I was actually uh, thinking of like going to different school. So I just wanted the forgiveness. But that girl simply said, no, I cannot. Yes, and she just walked off. That day was the first and last day that I um, committed, I not committed, but tried to commit suicide. I caught myself like slightly, but <laughs> I was too fearful, but yes, that unforgiveness made me want to die. Oh, I, don't, I didn't want to leave with the feeling on my chest forever. With having someone who will not forgive me forever, I just didn't want to leave. And after that, um, after that experience, I went to high school of course, my heart was closed uh, to most of the people because it was trauma, right? And then in high school, I remember uh, being so strongly like opposing toward death penalty because death penalty means there's no forgiveness. You deserve death. You deserve death, nothing, you know? You don't deserve forgiveness. That's what death penalty means, right? So... I just remember being so strong about my view, like that penalty cannot happen. Everyone deserves forgiveness. And I just had a strong view. God was just forming that, my view of forgiveness, how important that is. And I truly believe that the most terrible thing in the world was unforgiveness back then, even in high school. And I wasn't Christian. I didn't know God. So I came to college. And when I heard that God wanted to forgive my sins, not only that, but all at once, simply by accepting his son, wow, why not? I will do that. <laughs> wow, why not? I will do that. That's why I was able to accept him so quickly and so easily. So he truly turned my worst memory of my life into a salvation. A heartbroken girl, 14 years old, begging for forgiveness on her knees in misery, is now preaching Jesus Christ who forgave all my sins. And God gave me this word, Romans 8, 28. Uh, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He had a calling on my life.
even though he allowed me to go through that crazy trauma, now he healed me. He saved me so quickly. God, you're smart. <laughs> and now it's gone. I can share this. I can testify that Romans 8.28 is true. Another testimony. <laughs> oh, I feel really free. Mm. Uh, it's been exactly a year since I became an intern pastor at this church in Philly. So it was exactly a year, November to November. So when I first came to JCM, I was a baby believer, just saved, and to become an intern pastor, and to now, the four years and seven months, has been an incredible blessing. Yes. And it wasn't easy. Uh, I went on a lot of mission trips. So every winter and every summer, I went on mission trips, like every single one. And then God started to put a heart for ministry, full-time ministry upon my heart from beginning, from uh, junior year, college. And then all I wanted to do was ministry. I just wanted to go out and do God's work. I didn't want a job. I didn't want... Studying, <laughs> I just wanted to go out and minister, you know, to do ministry, to this kingdom work. And even though I had the desire, the situation uh, wasn't supportive. So in Korea, in order to do the ministry, you need a seminary degree, at least. So I was thinking of going to a seminary, but uh, I have no money. Instead, I have a lot of student loan. So oh, I have no money. Then no ministry, automatically, you know, okay, no money, no schooling, then no ministry. What do I do, Lord? What should I do? And then uh, second semester, so fall semester, my junior year, I started to seriously praying about it. So my schedule would be like class in the morning, afternoon, I was in the prayer room at Yuha, and then, you know, go home. Class, prayer room, and go home. Crazy schedule. And then I just asked the Lord, Lord, I want that. What do I do? But there's no way. There's no way, Lord. And my false master passed by. Nothing. It seemed like nothing was happening. And my senior year came. Wow, I have one more year left. God will answer my prayers. And I want to do full-time ministry. I was so sure. But then it seemed like nothing was moving. First semester passed by. Uh, nothing really happened. Summer break came. I prayed even more. Nothing was happening. Well, what are you doing? Are you listening? But I continued. Last semester, which is only three and a half months, came. I prayed more. God, I want to do ministry. Open the door for me. What do I do? You know, should I just go to a mission field? What do I do, Lord? But the thing is, I didn't prepare anything else. So all my friends were like, Myung-ha, you got to do something at least. But prayer, like, at least you have to have something like last resort. If that doesn't work out, you have to do something else, like teaching English, like at least send some applications, apply for schools, and do something. Even, you know, just in case... God doesn't want you, to, want you to do that. I don't know. People are saying all different stuff, and then my mom would call me every other day. Oh, are you preparing for your teacher's exam? Blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't doing it. But I couldn't tell my mom that I wasn't doing anything. So my mom would call me 
And my friends were like bugging me. And God wasn't answering me. And my midterm came, October, and midterm was over. And one Sunday service, I was just broken. God, <laughs> I was like angry at him. Why are you making me wait for so long? Is it really not your will? I only have a month and a half left. What are you going to do? I just broke down in tears, and I cried for the whole service. Do you remember that day? I was just broken, crying a mess. Long, long waiting. And then, announcement. Pastor Christian came up. He was like, all excited. I didn't know why. I was wiping my tears. What's coming up? Pastor Christian was announcing ROTC intern pastor program out of nowhere without no notice or without any notice he just came up we are launching this new intern pastor program ROTC program so what we will offer is he said housing my situation after Iwa I had to leave my hasukjik because I was splitting my rent with my roommate so I couldn't cover the whole coverage you know it was like 70만원 so I couldn't cover that. So my situation was I had to be kicked out of the place and then I had to go back to Busan or something. You know? My housing, I will provide housing. Don't dorm. And he said, I will send you to Torch Seminary for free. <laughs> Ooh, torch, wow. And then third thing, and you will serve as an intern pastor and you, at JSCM back then, JSCM for three years. Wow, that's exactly three things that I prayed for. God, I do not want to leave my church. I want to be here. And Lord, I want education. I need that degree. <laughs> MD degree is three years. Expensive, Lord. And I needed a house to leave it. And God answered three, all of them, out of nowhere at once. And I knew that it was for me. And then he said like something interesting. If you're going to apply next week, if you're going to pray about it for like a couple of weeks, forget about it. You apply tonight, uh, today, and then we will see if we're going to accept you or not. Do you remember saying that? You said that. So if you're going to apply, <laughs> Marcus, remember, right? <laughs> you said that if you're going to pray about it forever, we are not going to accept you. So if you're going to apply, do it tonight. Do it tonight. It's due date, tonight. And I was like, I just, you said that. I'm not lying. Yes. <laughs> yes, Marcus remembers. That's why you only had three like, applicants, you know. And then I did. I sent him my application. I knew that God, will, God was answering my prayers, you know. But now I'm thinking, would I be appreciating what I'm given now if I didn't go through that waiting period? That one year of crying out and prayer? Like torturing, God would just torture me. It was just darkness, nothing. It's so foggy. Lord, are you listening? I said that like thousands of times in the choir prayer room. And God was like, wait a second. Okay, wait a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then bam, it was there. And God gave me this word, Philippines 1.6. And I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He gave me that desire. 
he began that work and he accomplished it. And he is on the way to completion until Jesus comes back. I am on my way, on the right track. You know, waiting is not easy. It's quite a suffering, I think. I know so many people are waiting for marriage, a new job, new ministry, open doors, you know. But God will turn your waiting into a testimony. Amen. And you will say that, wow, our God is never late. He's never late. Yes, Christ, he truly turned the curse into the blessing. Oh, the worst of all sin and all evil in the world, he would turn it into a testimony. And Jesus testified on the cross. And Christian life is not immune to pain. Yes, not. Not immune to afflictions, not immune to persecution, not immune to sufferings. It's not stress-free either. It's not trouble-free. If somebody preaches that to you, uh, I don't agree with it. Oh, yeah. I just want to that. I just want to say that there are certain sufferings and pains in God's sovereignty and perfect plan. He just allows that to sleep into your life. You know. But however, though those troubles come, we have our Lord who turned all those things into a blessing, all into a testimony, so we can testify with boldness that God, he did it. And he turned it into the blessing. And that's my testimony. Okay, it's a little cheesy, but I will just read it. Every novel, every story has a storyline. Structure, plot, every story has it. And without conflict at the beginning, there's no climax toward the end. Amen? I really believe that. And there are stories that make me say like, wow. After I finish reading it, I'm like, wow. I was just throwing me through. Then I realized, wow, this girl suffered this accident because, so that it could happen at the, you know, at the end. You know, wow, this chapter happened because of this. It had a purpose. Wow, this story is so well needed. So there's nothing to throw away, you know. And every single line, every single thing happened to the life of the character is so perfect and it's so timely. And I say, wow, author is like genius. You know? But there is one true genius author who's writing your life in my life right now. And another chapter of your book is about to begin. 2010, I don't know how that year will be. It will be a tough year. I guess it will be an easy year. Might be. Chapter 24. For some of you, it will be chapter 32 or 30, you know, <laughs> or chapter 20 for some of the younger kids, you know. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that <laughs> my God will make it a masterpiece at the end. At the end, we will just know that, wow, there's nothing to be taken out. Nothing to throw away. Everything was meaningful. He truly did it for his good and for our good. He is truly a greatest author. He is genius, you know. Yes, I want us to all say that even midst of our difficulties, even midst of our sufferings and pains, I want us to remember that Though life is not perfect, we trust in the God who is perfect. So everything that he allows into our lives, meaningful. 
has purpose, and he will turn it into the blessing. Let's pray. God, I just want to personally thank you that you just took away all the pains and shame, oh, all the memories of Lord God stuck in my head and upon my chest. I feel like you are lifting them all away from me. I just thank you, Father God, for these brothers and sisters um, who understand your goodness, who understand your perfect love, and who just listens to uh, my stories uh, and just understand and just be blessed together. Father, I just thank you for this community. And Lord God, we just love you so much. As we sang before, Lord, we just love you so much. And the reason why we are here, God, is because we love you. Because you loved us first. And because you had a specific calling upon our lives, God. And Jesus, because of the purpose and calling, Father God, you did all things for the good of your people, for the good of your people, Lord God. Jesus, the words that, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you came that we may have an abundant life, a life to the full, and just have it abundantly, Lord. Father God, we do have some hurts and sins and sufferings and pains here and there in our lives, God. But you gave us life, an abundant life through Jesus, your son. And your son testified that you can truly turn everything into a blessing, into a testimony for the good of your people and for your glory, Lord. God, we are confident that 2010 will be a year of blessing, joy, and abundance under your perfect authorship, Lord. Yes, Lord. So we are not afraid to face the difficulties of Jesus. We will face it trusting in you into your perfect plan, Lord. And I also just lift up my brothers and sisters who are suffering, who are heartbroken, anxious, waiting for the breakthrough, or having financial difficulties losing hope, oh, Father. Any of these things, Father, I pray that you lift them all up from them, Lord. I speak life and hope and comfort into their spirit, Lord God. And I pray that you release faith and power, God, so that they may wait upon you, who is perfect and faithful, and just have more excitement for what will be written in our books in next chapter, God. Father God, our lives are so secure in you. We thank you for the security that you provided. Father God, we thank you for your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.